0: Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at ChurchesCare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to churches to explore the possibilities.
1: The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today?
2: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
3: Welcome, everyone, to Too Good to Be True, and thank you to all the listeners. Are you ready for a different show about the ancient civilization of Sumer? Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it.
4: We choose a subject, then research it. And based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief Now let's go through the disclaimers.
3: Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. This show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We wanna provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names and we apologize. Neither of us have any expertise in investigating ancient civilizations or astronomy. If we have misstated anything, we apologize in advance. And finally, this recording was made after September 23rd, 2017.
4: Thank you, Justina, for letting me choose the subject of the ancient civilization of Sumer, which is spelled S-U-M-E-R, which is summer with only one M.
3: Why did you choose the Sumerian civilization? There are several ancient civilizations you could have chosen.
4: Because the Sumerian civilization is claimed to be the first, and they have written records of their history, they somehow built temples called ziggurats, meaning temple towers. They were invaded by the Akkadians from the north, but continued with their culture. Uh, The Akkadians eventually lost their influence with the Sumerians continuing continuing on with their way of life in their city-states.
3: Sounds like you should agree with me that a discussion about ancient civilizations could be rather boring. I hope you don't send me or anyone else to sleep.
4: I think that the Sumerian civilization is rather fascinating, but with so much history to learn, Sumer doesn't seem to get much attention. The most interesting aspect is the content of the ancient Sumerian writings and what has been interpreted, interpreted from them. What was predicted by some to happen on September the 30, 23rd, rather, started with the translated Sumerian writings. How does a civilization just appear and start building city-states, including ziggurats? They must have ha- there must have been a massive jump in technology.
3: Wasn't September 23rd supposed to mean something, including some predicting of the end of the world?
4: Obviously, the world didn't come to an end, but some believe it may be the beginning of the end or the beginning of a major change. If you Google September the 23rd, 2017, you get over 100 million hits.
3: Why don't you go back thousands of years and start from the beginning without being too boring?
4: I will try my best to make it interesting. Uh, Sumer was located where modern day southern Iraq is now located. The area, the area used to be called Mesopotamia, meaning land between rivers. These rivers are the Tigris and the Euphrates. This area has been described as the cradle of civilization. The Sumerian civilization existed between 4500 and 1900 BCE. Those years span the late Neolithic to the Middle Bronze Age.
3: Isn't Neolithic just another way of saying Stone Age?
4: Yes, late Neolithic stone, New Stone Age, which means that crops were being grown and animals started to become domesticated. That's the key to the theory of when civilization started. If sufficient food is produced, some of the tribe has time to concentrate on other things and finding berries or chasing some unfortunate wild animal.
3: How is civilization defined?
4: I think it means that the tribe has structure and organisation, develops culture and puts effort into science and industry.
3: You didn't mention government.
4: Yes, structure and organisation were put in place. The Sumerians eventually created the first form of government after being led by religious leaders.
3: So somehow the Sumerians went from hunter-gatherers to city dwellers, including engineers and scientists with the earliest form of government with laws. Where did they come from? Were they just locals who just became smart?
4: That doesn't seem to be known. Uh, The Sumerians emigrated from somewhere else and apparently spoke a different language to the people that already existed in the area. They may have arrived from around the Caspian Sea or where modern-day Hungary is located now. However, the Sumerians have a distinct advantage in being studied in that they didn't use paper with some kind of writing tool.
3: Well, we'll have to continue talking about the Sumerians after this short break, but please go like and follow us on Facebook under Too Good To Be True, and we will continue with the Sumerians after this short break.
0: I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.HolisticCancerFoundation.com.
5: Is it science or is it magic? Once a magical thing has been scientifically proven, is it no longer magic? Or is magic simply the science of tomorrow? Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, on the Science of Magic, a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. By triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview this, share the share thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website, free of charge, at thescienceofmagic.net.
3: Welcome back to Too Good To Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the Sumerians and some background about them. And Dad, you were just mentioning that the Sumerians didn't write on paper. So what did they use instead of paper? Because paper would have not really survived well over the centuries.
4: Yes, that's true. They used clay tablets and clay cylinders, which were written on using a reed stylus. Once the tablets or cylinders were dried, they were permanent. Apparently, some were baked well after the fact by archaeologists. The writing in the clay was wedge-shaped and it is called cuneiform. There were hundreds of different characters that make the tablets very difficult to translate into modern languages.
3: So they taught themselves how to write as well as finding a method for preserving their writings. That's impressive. But I still don't really understand how they transitioned from hunter-gatherers to city-dwellers with scribes writing things down.
4: The explanation is that the annual flooding of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers provided for rich, fertile soil that provided a large amount of food. This is despite limited annual rainfall. Apparently, complex irrigation systems were used, including canals, levees and gates, using water from the two rivers. With the surplus of food, as mentioned earlier, there were people who could work on different tasks besides feeding themselves. What else is interesting is that city-states, they created for each other.
3: So how was society structured in the city-states?
4: I'm going to quote from Wendy Ann's blog from 2012 on the website Fathis.com. Quote, The ancient Sumerians were credited for the invention of government. They were affected politically and economically by it. It was invented to organize labor and officials were appointed to sort out problems and work on construction projects. Because of this newly organized labor, people could work together to form an economy by building canals and roads that made trade easier. Socially, the people had now had something to do and a way to earn a living. they had also set up government to make laws. These laws enforced by courts were made so the Sumerian people would know what was expected of them. The ancient Mesopotamians created a government that was a combination of monarchy and democracy. The kingdoms of Sumer were organized into city-states, and the kings ruled each city-state for the gods. They were assisted by priests, scribes, and nobles. But before 3500 BC, priests ruled Sumer. They attended the gods who really ruled."
3: So the writer of the blog states that there were laws, and the gods ruled, with religious priests being in charge of society to begin with. So what was the Sumerian religion, and who were the gods?
4: Each city state had its own god along with a ziggurat. These were the temples built like step pyramids with flat tops. The priests would live in the ziggurats and serve the gods by making sacrifices. If the gods were happy, the rivers would flood and the crops would grow. There was for an example, Anu, king of the gods and king of the heavens associated with the city of Urak. Another example is Enki, the god who invented the plow and made the plants grow. He was god of the city of Eridu. A third example is Inanna, the goddess of love and war. Her city was Uruk. Sumerian gods were believed to have human characteristics, so sometimes they were good and sometimes they were bad.
3: The goddess of love and war must have been a little conflicted. Ancient civilizations believing that they were ruled by gods is what we would expect. That's how the ancient Greeks operated. The gods lived on Mount Olympus but like you i am still wondering how the sumerians figured out how to build ziggurats let alone cities how big were the ziggurats
4: ziggurats were supposed to imitate mountains so the gods could live in them and be closer to the city in iraq a white temple dedicated to the sky god an was built on a flat platform of a ziggurat this had an area of about 388 sorry 382 square meters or over 4000 square feet Because only ruins are left, it is hard to estimate the height of ziggurats. But the White Temple is estimated to have been higher than 12 meters or 40 feet. So it should have been visible at long distances on the flat plain.
3: How big was the city of Urak?
4: Urak could have had a population of between 50,000 to 80,000 people living within an area of uh, six square kilometers or two and a third square miles.
3: What else is known about the Sumerians?
4: They actually had female rulers. One was Kubaba, queen of Kish. They also were well-traveled merchants.
3: Who were they trading with?
4: Apparently they needed lumber and stone, which was not available locally, and apparently traded with the people located in the island uh, where Bahrain is now, or Bahrain, I should say. So there the locals had to use some kind of ship. Apparently, they traded for precious stones in Afghanistan and traded far and wide. The Sumerians invented the wheel, so presumably that helped move goods around.
3: Were the Sumerians pioneers in mathematics?
4: Yes, they counted in base 60 rather than base 10. The legacy of that apparently includes clocks, counting 60 seconds for a minute and 60 minutes for an hour. Also, there is 360 degrees in a circle. They seemed to understand the concept of space and time.
3: What else did the Sumerians study?
4: They were the first to study astrology and understood the movements of the sun, moon, and planets. The the division of the year into 12 months and 24 hour days was documented by the Sumerians. They used the number six as a base as well as the number 60, with 12 and 24, of course, being multiples of six.
3: Besides making clay tablets or cylinders, were they artistic?
4: They had musical instruments, including string, wind, and percussion. Uh, They also wrote down music.
3: It seems we know a lot about the Sumerians, besides writing on clay tablets that survived. Why is that?
4: I think one reason was that the discovery of the remnants of their civilization was rather recent. The first excavations were only made in the 1840s. So the remains of the ziggurats, which were made out of clay, clay bricks, were reasonably intact. Currently, there are about 31,000 clay tablets in the British Museum. Most of these have not been translated.
3: This is interesting, but where does it lead us? The history lesson is that if mankind has time to be creative and innovative by not having to look for food, the sky is the limit.
4: I think you would have hit the nail right on the head by saying that the sky was not the limit. There are theories that the Sumerians had some help from extraterrestrials.
3: Okay, now I get it. You have been watching Ancient Aliens on the History Channel again.
4: I haven't been doing that. What triggered the interest was September 23rd of this year, and that's when some believed the world was going to end.
3: So what is the connection between the Sumerians and the end of the world?
4: The connection is through Zechariah Sitchin, a scholar with some extraordinary ideas about how the Sumerians were helped by the Anunnaki. That's spelled A-U. A-N-U-N-N-A-K-I, who were extraterrestrial beings.
3: I should have known that something paranormal was going to be suggested. You're now going to say that building the ziggurats in the city-states was beyond the technology that could have been developed at that early time in history.
4: Either mankind developed extremely quickly or they were given a helping hand.
3: So how did Zachariah Sitchin come up with the idea of the Anunnaki?
4: He translated Sumerian tablets, actually spent a lifetime working on them. According to his studies, the gods that the Sumerians worshipped and obeyed were actually the Anunnaki, who gen- genetically engineered the human race to work as their slaves. Here is a quote from the website ancientcode.com. Quote, Today when we read or seek information about the Sumer and the Anunnaki, or the people that inhabited that part of the world, we come across controversial author Zechariah Sitchin. In 1976, author Sitchin published his personal translations of the Sumerian texts in a series of books called The Earth Chronicles. According to Sitchin, the clay tablets describe an alien race known as the Anunnaki who came to Earth to mine gold. Sitchin practically suggests that extraterrestrial visited Earth in the past because their home planet needed gold to survive, unquote. Apparently, Anunnaki means in Sumerian, those who came down from heaven.
3: Why did the Anunnaki need gold, and where did they get it from?
4: Apparently, the gold in particles was needed in the atmosphere of their home planet of Nibiru to protect the inhabitants from ultraviolet radiation. The gold was supposedly mined in South Africa. Some sources claim there is evidence of the Anunnaki having visited South Africa, which is a long way from modern-day Iraq.
3: What was the description of the Anunnaki? What did they look like?
4: There's a clay relief for sculpture in the form of a tablet in the British Museum of that uh, of the Sumerian god Ninurta, spelled N-I-N-U-R-T-A. The figure is wearing what looks like a watch on each wrist and a large Maltese cross-like pendant on a rope or chain hanging from the neck. The figure is holding some kind of rod or staff in, in his left hand while pointing out at, at the wall with one finger in the right hand. The figure appears to have long hair and a beard and wears a hat about 45 degrees that looks like a flower pot. The devices on the wrist are pretty common on other uh, figures in clay, uh, in clay reliefs.
3: The wristwatch is modern. When was the wristwatch invented?
4: They were first used in World War I in, by troops in the trenches, so it was about 100 years ago.
3: What about the Maltese cross? When did that become a symbol or emblem?
4: In the 15th century or in the 1400s, 1400, sorry, the cross denotes you know, eight values that knights at that time would aspire to.
3: Are there other strange artifacts in other museums from that era?
4: There are clay figures and stone carvings in the National Museum of Iraq in Baghdad, including figures that certainly yeah. look extraterrestrial with elongated bodies and with a reptilian appearance.
3: So some of the alleged Anunnaki look like humans wearing devices and ornaments that looked out of place for the time in history while other beings look totally extraterrestrial.
4: That's right but there are all sorts of claims for extraterrestrial looking artifacts all over the world. Maybe the Sumerians enjoyed making strange clay tablets and weird looking figures for good luck and for protecting their crops.
3: Possibly but maybe they just wanted to document what they saw. Going back to Zachariah Sitchin, what else did he write about the Anunnaki?
4: He wrote about the Sumerian version of the creation of the solar system. system. Clay tablet BA243, which is in a museum in Berlin, shows an extra planet in the solar system. Sitchin has been pictured holding that clay tablet. According to Sitchin's research, there was an additional planet called Tiamat, spelled T-I-A-M-A-T, that was closest to the sun. From outer space, Nibiru, a large planet almost the size of Jupiter, arrived, attracted by the gravitational pull of the solar system. Parts of Nibiru were broken off by the gravitational forces of the outer planets, with Nibiru now on course to collide with Tiamat, almost breaking the planet into two, but changing the paths of both planets. These paths became large elliptical orbits around the sun. Apparently, Nibiru had not been orbiting the sun before interacting with Tiamat. After about three hundred and sorry, 3,600 years, Nibiru collides with Tiamat again. Long story short, Tiamat was broken into two, with one half becoming planet Earth and the other half breaking up and creating the asteroid belt. One of Nibiru's moons becomes the Earth's moon.
3: Just a minute. Isn't that planet of the Anunnaki, which is also called planet X?
4: That's correct.
3: Wasn't Planet X supposed to have passed close to, or collided with, the Earth on September 23rd, 2017, causing the end of the world?
4: Yes, Planet X, but I think we'd have noticed the planet heading this way weeks or months in advance. But other people than Sitchin suggested that. I'll make that point again. Um, Sitchin didn't uh, predict uh, the uh, Nabooru hitting the uh, planet Earth. Before that, Planet X was predicted by some to cause havoc in 2012. I think it's time to lead us into the break, Justina.
3: Yes, after this short break, we'll continue talking about the Sumerians. And again, don't forget to go like our Facebook page.
5: Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access to the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwelda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment galactic shamanism art of the ancients key to tomorrow is an upcoming series of leading edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition embrace the magic empower your life study galactic shamanism at findyourpathhome.com
1: set out to change the world should stand for something something that matters for tanium it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live they help critical government agencies see what's coming protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com.
3: Welcome back to Too Good to be True. And before the break, we were talking about the the end-of-the-world prediction on September 23rd, Planet X and Sitchin's predictions. Well, now the subject is getting more interesting, especially with Anunnaki coming up related to the Sumerians and Planet X.
4: Yes, uh, there's more to Zechariah Sitchin's work. Uh, The following quote is from Sitchin.com regarding the NASA space probe Voyager 2. Quote, when the Voyager 2 mission passed by Uranus and Neptune for the first time, their descriptions match the ancient Sumerian descriptions, as discussed in Zechariah Sitchin's The Twelfth Planet. Uranus's unusual blue-green colour and watery nature were, was described by the Sumerians and confirmed by Voyager, 2. Its twin, according to the Sumerians, Neptune, was also confirmed to be blue-green and associated with water. I looked at the pictures of the planets on the Internet and I could see blue-green.
3: I suppose the point is that the Sumerians actually knew the color of Neptune and Uranus before space probes first sent back pictures in the 20th century. Before we move on to a better explanation for the solar system from ancient clay tablets, is there anything else to say about Sitchin?
4: Yes, and this is really interesting. In the Natural History Museum in London, there are the remains of Puabi, a Sumerian queen. Sitchin demanded genetic testing of Puabi to prove to prove or disprove his theory that the Sumerians were genetically engineered. The theory was that the genes would have been from the Anunnaki and from humans from that time. This followed genetic testing of King Tut's remains and the sequencing of the Neanderthal gene- genome. Aside from wild theories about alien human hybrids, you would think that science would want to know more about the genetic makeup of the world's first civilization, especially as their origins appear to be only vaguely known.
3: It hasn't happened, has it?
4: Obviously, genetic testing of ancient remains would be an entirely different challenge from regular DNA testing, but it is a question that should receive an answer, but there are no results ever reported.
3: Yes, it's really curious. We hear lots about ancient Egypt and the pyramids, both so much written down by the Sumerians. You would think that they would get more attention. What else is suggested about the solar system that has been translated from the ancient writings? Did anyone else write about the subject?
4: Yes, Emmanuel Velikovsky, a scholar who lived in Israel, studied ancient writings. In his book, Worlds in Collision, published in 1950, 1950, he based content on cross-referencing different material from ancient cultures, including Samaria. His research indicated that the planet Venus was only about 3,005 years old and had originated from the planet Jupiter. The creation of Venus is associated in his book with the end of the Minoan culture and a volcanic eruption that occurred as Moses led his tribe out of Egypt.
3: Who are the Minoans? I can see why modern science wasn't agreeing with that scenario. Aside from the content of ancient tablets, are there any modern scientists who have similar theories? It is almost 70 years since 1950.
4: The Minoans for a civilization existed from t- 2600 to 1100 BCE on the island of Crete, Crete sorry, and other islands in the Aegean Sea between Greece and Turkey. To answer your second question, you, the British author David Icke, in a YouTube video posted in 2010, cites unnamed physicists who claim a scenario along the lines of Emmanuel Velikovsky. The scenario is that Jupiter only arrived in the solar system about 7,000 years ago. Jupiter collided with an unnamed planet, destroying it and creating the asteroid belt. Part of Jupiter broke off and devastated Mars, the spin consistent with the landscape of Mars being no more than 10,000 years old. That part of Jupiter also caused a gravitational pull on the Earth, causing the great flood for which Noah's, Noah's Ark is usually mentioned.
3: So, the point of all of this is that ancient texts, including the Sumerian clay tablets, include knowledge of the solar system that should have not been available to the people at the time, unless influenced by beings with advanced technology. Also, some events on Earth could be explained by the effects of planets colliding or splitting, as suggested by Sitchin and Velosky, who else believes in ancient astronauts.
4: Eric von Däniken, also of the book, Chariots of the Gods, does, while citing evidence from around the globe. Von Däniken was writing about the subject before Sitchin, but Sitchin's work is strongly associated with the Sumerian tablets.
3: So there could be more than one extraterrestrial race that visited the Earth if von Däniken is to be believed.
4: Von Däniken puts forward the idea that technology was passed on to humans by extraterrestrial beings. Sitchin's idea that modern humans have part extraterrestrial makeup in DNA does not. Sorry, Sitchin's idea that modern humans have part extraterrestrial makeup in DNA does not appear to be shared by von Daniken. I think I should also mention that the Anunnaki are believed by some to have been the gods of other Mesopotamian peoples, including the Akkadians, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians.
3: What I don't understand is if the Anunnaki helped create a race with advanced technology that could defeat them, and how could they disappear?
4: Apparently after a while the crops didn't grow and the air became depopulated, with the Sumerians being absorbed by new rulers in the region. The Sumerian language apparently disappeared along with their civilization.
3: Which came next as a major civilization after the Sumerians and the other Mesopotamian peoples lost importance in the world.
4: Apparently, it was ancient Egypt, but there seemed to be a lot of speculation that ancient Egypt is, in reality is a lot older than in the history books. But it is confusing about because ancient Egypt predates Sumer in some sources. Possibly because the Egyptians wrote on papyrus or early paper and the Sumerians wrote on clay tablets, there is much more information about Sumerian life that is more definite. It, it could be that one people reached a minimum standard of civilization quicker than the other.
3: I don't know much about that, but are there any connections between Sumer and Egypt?
4: Apparently, there was trade between Sumer and Egypt, and buildings in both places were similar.
3: Well, maybe it's time for the first question and the psychic insight before you start mentioning the pyramids.
4: Okay, I'll ask the first question. Where did the Sumerian people originate from? Was it from around the Caspian Sea or where Hungary is now located?
3: The Caspian Sea.
4: What was different about their language compared with other languages spoken in the locality?
3: Do you mean you want specific examples or just why it was different?
4: Generally, why it was different, was it because they were from far away, was it because they were from far away so the language was different?
3: Yes, and they didn't want other people understanding them when they spoke in their language, so they wanted a language that was more secretive between them.
4: How did the Sumerians in a short space of time progress from being hunter-gatherers to building cities and forming governments?
3: They had some very intelligent members and they also had some outside influence.
4: Were people in ancient times just as intelligent as people are now?
3: Yes and no. They were intelligent in their own way, so they weren't intelligent in a way that someone now is considered intelligent, but they were more imaginative and looked at different possibilities more.
4: Is it like children today getting their creativity educated out of them?
3: Yes and no. It's that now everyone wants to be pretty similar to each other. And back then it was the people who were different who were most celebrated.
4: How did the Sumerians learn how to irrigate their crops?
3: That was actually given to some of the members with their imagination and through dreams.
4: Did gods really rule each city state?
3: Separate gods, no.
4: How did the Sumerians learn how to build cigarettes?
3: That again was given through dreams.
4: How tall were the large, how tall were the tallest cigarettes more than twelve meters or forty feet? Yes. Were they very tall? How tall were they?
3: Yes, they were about double that height.
4: How many people lived in the city of of Iraq? Did it have a population of over fifty thousand people?
3: Yes, there were actually more, around seventy thousand.
4: How did the Sumerians learn so much about math at such an early time?
3: Through dreams and their worship and spirituality. So some of the information was, you could say, fed to them, while others used their imagination. So you can think about it this way. Back then, there wasn't too much to do. There wasn't television. There wasn't a lot of different activities to do. So some people focused their time into improvements and basically they believed in that there wasn't any barriers to their knowledge. It was more an endless possibility. So when people think of people's way back then, they think of them as not very intelligent and more focused on just survival. But in the times in between, they did try to create new ideas and tried to improve the people around them.
4: How did the Sumerians learn to make and play musical instruments?
3: So that was, again, partially fed to them and partially some very smart people who created the musical instruments and then self-taught themselves. So it was a lot of practice.
4: Why is there so little interest in Sumer with thousands of clay tablets yet to be translated?
3: Because it is very difficult to translate and people are just more concerned with current world events than past world events.
4: Is it true that extraterrestrial beings assisted the Sumerians with their advanced technology? Yes. Is there any truth to the writings of Zechariah Sitchin that the extraterrestrial beings were the Anunnaki? Some of them. You mean some of Zechariah Sitchin's writings? Yes. Did the Anunnaki interbreed with humans to create create a hybrid race? No. The Anunnaki just helped with technology? Correct. Did the Anunnaki come to planet Earth to mine gold? No. What did the Anunnaki come to planet Earth for?
3: For advancement purposes and other elements, but it was not gold.
4: Was there such a planet as Nabooru that needed gold to protect itself from harmful radiation? No. Where did the Anunnaki come from?
3: A faraway place.
4: Is the clay tablet in the British Museum of the God Ninurta of a human or extraterrestrial being?
3: Extraterrestrial.
4: Was Ninurta an Anunnaki? Yes. What are the devices on Ninurta's wrists?
3: Advanced technology, so it basically allows for better communication.
4: Why is Ninurta wearing a pendant that looks like a Maltese cross?
3: For protection purposes.
4: Where did the Maltese cross originate?
3: From a faraway place.
4: What do the reptilian clay or stone figures from the Iraq museum in Baghdad represent?
3: Other beings.
4: So there were other beings that looked like reptiles that visited planet Earth? Yes. Did they help the Sumerians also?
3: Not exactly.
4: What was their purpose on Earth?
3: They were here to observe.
4: Was Zechariah Sitchin correct in, in, his, in his interpretation of clay tablets that Nibiru collided with another planet, breaking into two, creating the planet Earth and the asteroids? No. Did anything like that happen? No. Was Earth's moon originally a moon orbiting Nibiru?
3: No.
4: Okay, I think you'd better take us into a break, Justine. You know, I don't think we've got time for the next question.
3: Yes, after this break, we'll continue on the questions and the psychic insight, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. So stay tuned after this break.
5: Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of PathHome Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes.
0: 213- to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
6: Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time?
5: truth. Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now, as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true, but rather, how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio, a syndicated, internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic, to uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net.
3: Welcome back to Too Good To Be True. And before the break, we were going through the questions and answering it with the psychic insight. So dad, can you please continue on the questions?
4: Sure. Uh, Why did so many people think that Nibiru was going to pass by or collide with earth on September the 23rd?
3: Basically, it was based off different predictions. And the thing is that people like to think about an endpoint. So a lot of people like to think about the endpoint of their life. And it was one to create fear and two, some people really didn't it. But the thing is, is if the world was coming to an end, there would not be any predictions that there would be exact date or time. It would just have signs it was going to end and it would end.
4: Was there anything significant about September the 23rd?
3: The shift in energies, yes.
4: How did the ancient Sumerians know that Neptune and Uranus were blue green?
3: From information they got from other beings.
4: Why wasn't genetic testing of the remains of Queen Puabi in London's natural history museum completed, or was it completed with the results kept secret?
3: The results were kept secret.
4: Why was that?
3: Because it did not match any known human DNA.
4: Is Emmanuel Velikovsky correct in his writings that Venus was originally part of Jupiter? Yes. Did the creation of Venus end the Minoan civilization and cause at least one volcanic eruption?
3: It did cause some Earth changes, yes, but it did not fully end the civilization.
4: Did Jupiter collide with an unnamed planet causing devastation t- to Mars and creating the great flood on Earth? No. So Emmanuel Velikosti's account of what happened is more correct? Correct. And its timing is also correct. Yes. Is there anything more we should know about how Venus originated from Jupiter?
3: Basically, there was, you can think of it as basically a moon that split off to create its own planet.
4: Without extraterrestrial influence, how did the Sumerians know so much about astronomy?
3: They wouldn't if it wasn't for the
4: influence. Is Eric von Däniken correct in that extraterrestrial visitors taught humans advanced technologies all around the globe? Yes. Why didn't the Sumerians dominate the then known world with their advanced technology?
3: Because they were not out to do that. That wasn't their end goal.
4: Did other nations such as Egypt learn a great deal from the Sumerians?
3: Yes, but the Sumerians also learned from other peoples.
4: Why did the Sumerian culture and language seem to disappear, except as preserved on clay tablets and cylinders?
3: Because the area had so much interaction throughout the years, where a lot of the information was actually destroyed. So that's what happens when people go into a place and just burn it down, destroy things, without thinking about the ancient history also getting destroyed.
4: Are the timelines as outlined in history books correct for ancient Egypt and Sumeria?
3: For the most part, yes.
4: What can we learn from the known history of the Sumerian people?
3: There's still more history to actually be discovered and that different ancient civilizations have a lot more secrets that they have not been opened up yet. And that there were some very intelligent ancient civilizations that basically had a lot of information that they used to make advancements within their own civilizations. So you can think of this even now. It only takes very, a few very smart people with some knowledge to be able to change the world and to change civilizations and create major advancements.
4: What can we learn from the writings of Zechariah Sitchin, Emanuel Velikovsky and Eric von Däniken?
3: That there is a lot more still to uncover, but it takes some very special people to be able to spend their time trying to study ancient civilizations, since it is not always fun and can be very frustrating to try to uncover the truth. But they do try to uncover the truth, even though some of it may not always be accurate. So there needs to be more study into what happened in the past to know more about what is hap- going to happen in the future.
4: Uh, I think you should ask a question about the Sumerians being uh, becoming so advanced so quickly, I think I will. Uh, was the ancient Sumerian civilization being able to advance quickly by the assistance from extraterrestrial beings too good to be true?
3: That depends on what you are prepared to believe.
4: I think that the Sumerians were more interesting than you had expected.
3: Yes, I'd have to agree. I like the idea that we're not alone.
4: I can understand it that... The extraterrestrials that looked human with their advanced technology being treated like gods, but the reptilian looking extraterrestrials must have been quite a shock.
3: It seems like it wasn't just the extraterrestrials that were helping the people then, that they were also getting information through their dreams.
4: That's interesting because famous inventor Nikola Tesla claimed that he received his inspiration through dreams.
3: He wasn't the only one. It seems to be quite common. Here's an example I really like from the website blogspot.com. And I quote, 19th century chemist Dimitri, and I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so I apologize. But Mendeleev fell asleep while chamber music was being played in the next room. He understood in a dream that the basic chemical elements are all related to each other in a manner similar to themes and phrases in music. When he awakened, he was able to write out the first time the entire periodic table, which forms the basic of modern chemistry, end quote. Chamber music is classical music for small orchestras, so it may have relaxed him.
4: The Sumerians apparently had 20 or so different musical instruments, so that was more than enough for an orchestra.
3: We included three different authors who wrote about extraterrestrial influences on mankind, why did you think it was important to mention all three of them?
4: Zechariah Sitchin, Emmanuel Velikovsky, and Eric von Daniken are sometimes termed the pseudo-scientific myth-makers, so they are grouped together. If you combine their writings, it seems that you get close to the information from the psychic insight. It seems that a negative approach can be if an author is wrong about some theories, all the author's theories must be wrong.
3: How do you provide scientific evidence to support theories when you're working with ancient relics? You have to make assumptions that connect the dots. There is circumstantial evidence with limited scientific evidence. But I think we have to talk about Planet X, especially as the end of the world didn't actually happen on September 23rd.
4: Yes, the whole idea of Nibiru or Planet X appears to be a myth. But we learned, depending on whether you are prepared to believe it, that Venus was once a moon of Jupiter. Yes, and what is amazing is that that change would have only happened a few thousand years ago.
3: Well, yes, I hope that show was interesting. If it wasn't, it's not the end of the world.
4: That wasn't very funny. There are actually jokes and riddles included in the ancient clay tablets, but that's something listeners will have to check into on their own.
3: Yes, the jokes that you told me and that we found were rather crude.
4: Okay, Justino, are you going to mention the Facebook page again, or have you got more thoughts on uh, Sekhari and Sitchin and the other authors?
3: Well, I think I'll mention in the Facebook group again. So we would love to hear from the listeners, hear any topics you suggest, any comments on the show. And if you've actually read into Sumer, the Sumerians, you have any knowledge to share, we would love to hear it. So if you go to Facebook and you type in too good to be true, so the first two is spelled T-W-O, too good to be true you can look us up there and you can like the page follow us comment and we would love to have suggestions so that we don't end up doing 20 shows in ancient civilizations because i know dad he would do every ancient civilization under the sun
4: yes i think um, ancient egypt would be the next one on the list or maybe the south american ones i don't know but um, maybe there's some other subjects um, but going back to Zechariah, Sitchin, Velikovsky, and, and Eric von Daniken, I have to say that uh, the book Chariots of the Gods by Van Daniken was a book I read a very long time ago. And it really got my interest going in ancient civilization. So I, I've got a big thank you to Eric. Um, I just thought I wanted to say that. And um, I know it would be very nice if uh, our listeners could suggest some ideas. It's a lot more fun when uh, somebody comes up with a suggestion. We've had some very good suggestions lately, but we can't talk about them because we don't want to spoil the surprise. But uh, what do you think we can use it as an incentive to uh, get people to suggest things?
3: Um, Well, I think something we could do is that if you do want your name included as a shout out in the show, if you want to suggest something, we can shout you out in the show. So we'll tell the whole audience, if you want, obviously, will say that blah, blah, blah suggested this topic and we'll give you a shout out in the show. So if you want to have a shout out and suggest a topic, either comment on our Facebook page or send us a message on our Facebook page and we'll look over the topic, look up the information and we would love to hear from you guys.
4: Yeah, and if anybody wants to suggest ancient uh, Egypt, uh, that one will be given priority. But um, that's if you agree to it, Justina.
3: Yes. Well, I think one comment that I want to make just regarding our current show is that it's really interesting going through the research and going through history and seeing the different inventions and the different innovation. So I think that's my kind of what I'm most interested in, is that there's been great leaps throughout history, even in ancient civilizations, where they've built these structures, they've written down this different material that just seems very innovative for the time. So it's interesting to hear that some of it came through dreams, some of it maybe was an outside influence, but it's kind of crazy to think what humans have actually evolved from.
4: Yeah, I think um, we we didn't learn that much about the ancient uh, Sumerians and and the fact that they came up with clock, time, wheels, all that stuff. That was that was all a surprise to me. So uh, I'm I'm a little surprised they aren't. uh, We don't hear more about ancient Sumer.
3: Well, and I think the other thing that's interesting, too, is about the writing. So I think it's very interesting to see throughout ancient history how different civilizations actually wrote down what they were doing and their type of language language and communication. But we're running out of time here, so of course I want to thank all the listeners and to go like our Facebook page and give us any suggestions. So thank you to all the listeners.